This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hiya, it's the Agenda from Blood Red. I am Dan Austin. This is Dan Morgan. We're from Liverpool.com. And we're here today to talk about the big one at the weekend, the clash at the top of the Premier League table between Liverpool and Man City. But we're going to do something a little bit different, Dan. We've been asked by the lads that, that look after Blood Red to do a combined uh, Liverpool and Manchester City 11. Um, before we get going, we've basically settled on the fact that these are a bit of a nonsense, haven't we? But it'll be a laugh anyway, I hope. Yeah, and it's already a course of vision between us two at least. So <laughs> this camera. should be exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll start. We'll start in goal then. So your choices are essentially Alison Becker, Edison, Adrian, and apparently Kyle Walker, um, <laughs> which it feels like we should mention after last night. He ends up in goal in the San Siro, which is a story to tell, isn't it? It's one of the best things about footy, that isn't it? Like it's when, great. like when the ball hits the corner flag and bounces back in. Yeah. Um, an outfielder in a goalkeeper top that simply doesn't fit him yeah. is one of the real joys of the game. But also like the excitement, anticipation as he's putting the gloves on and stuff like that. He, he literally should just be a kid in the street. Because that's what it's that's the memories it's invoking, isn't it? When you're going, oh, I'm going goal. <laughs> There's always as well like a, a, a few staple things that happen when an outfield player goes in goal. There's the opposition gets a free kick on the edge of the box, and everyone's going, oh, oh, just hit the target <laughs> and it's going in. Um, but then there's also the one where the ball gets it passed back to him, and you're basically seeing what he's going to do in terms of kicking it. Yeah. There's goal kicks. Does he take the goal kicks himself, or does he let a different defender take them? There's loads that's of mad, little yeah. intricacies, isn't there? That's mad if you're a professional footy player. It's someone else has to say <laughs> yeah. it's not like you can't hit the ball far upfield but it, it, you would hope it essentially comes down to the fact that they're saying to themselves I'm going to do this I'm going to be the best keeper I'm going to go top corner and make this save and then it just comes down to just find a way to keep it out the goal mate <laughs> just throw any part of your anatomy at your it. face yeah, anything you want just stop the ball from going behind you uh, I think we've settled on Kyle Walker in net then well I was, I was going to play for Franzi Robertson but there you go <laughs> um, who, no, who are you having really though out of Alisson and Edison well seriously I think a lot of this will come down to who you think is the best player in the world in their position because currently yes. I think Liverpool and Manchester City have those options as number one and number two and I think Alisson Becker is the best goalkeeper in world football. Um, but he officially is. And he officially is. Awards, and, he's, yeah. and, and so, do, so does the country of Brazil also, because they seem to pick him over Manchester mm-hmm. City's keeper. So that's good enough for me. And, and, you know, on top of that, what I watch every week is, is good enough for me to say that it's Alisson. Alisson Becker hasn't got a neck like an Etch-a-Sketch. Yeah, there is well, that. Which also... Or an emoji tattoo. Yeah, all, all of this is, is making the stronger case for Alison Becker, I think. Yeah. Um, so we'll go with him there. Uh, we'll do left-back next. Uh, Manchester City haven't really got a, a out-and-out first-choice left-back every week. It's usually Alexander Sinchenko. He's injured, so won't be playing mm. this weekend. They've also got Benjamin Mendy. Uh, How Cancelo has been doing a little bit at left-back. It yeah. feels like Andy Robertson is your guaranteed winner here, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I like Sinchenko. Um, I think he's... He's done well uh, and he's been blooded well by City. I think he's one of their success stories in terms of actually getting a young player through. Well, he's improved an awful lot because he went out about two years ago on loan to PSV <clears> and <throat> ended up playing in PSV's second team in the Dutch Czech division and everyone's going, there's not a chance he no. makes it. But towards the end of last season, he was one of their most important creative players with the Bruyne missing. Yeah, and I think, look, if you'd asked an honest uh, supporter of any Premier League club, they'd say that they would absolutely love Andy Robertson playing for them. Um so well, I mean, Everton, they, Mike, I was going to say think, the best think, left back in the world is only playing a mile away. Well, yeah, they they think they've got you know the left backs equivalent of I don't know Lionel Messi um, in Luka Dean, which is interesting. It's to like say when Nikola um, Jelovic was better. It was a better player ah, than Luis Suarez. We can do Suarez. this all day, can't we? <laughs> Michael Branch and 
Michael Owen. Uh, who else? I've never even heard of Michael Branch. Lad. Michael, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This could be a different episode at some point. Was, yeah. We'll just list all the Evertonians that were meant to be better than our oh, lads God. that you probably won't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second such a celebration. <laughs> uh, Centre halves we'll do together then. Are we doing four three three? Um, we'll decide when we get to a midfield, I think. Right. They do both play 4-3-3, so it feels a bit disingenuous yeah, to not so, yeah. do that. So, yeah, we'll probably do 4-3-3. But we'll do centre-halves first then. Um, Virgil van Dijk is getting in. He might well win the Ballon d'Or. He's without doubt the best centre-back in the world at this point. There are genuine conversations probably to be had around whether he's the best centre-back that's played in the Premier League or certainly part mm-hmm. of the best pairing that's played in the Premier League. Um, so van Dijk's going to play. Absolutely. Um, the other one then is a bit of a bone of contention... Laporte is excellent. He's not available for the game of the weekend because he's got a long-term injury. He's quite frequently injured Laporte, mm. which is a bit of an issue for him in Manchester City in general, I think, because it's all well and good having a really talented player. But especially in defence, you want that talented player to be playing every week, and it's a bit problematic when you've got to be taking him in and out quite a lot. Yeah, and also, you know, we've had our own problems with that um, in terms of Lovren and, and Matip. Now, obviously, Joe Matip went on a run from, from last new year, which established themselves as one of the Europe's leading top centre-backs mm-hmm. um, and ensured he won a European Cup with Liverpool. But, so I think in that in that sense that, you know, we, we can't obviously look at that in terms of us having um, an elite, fit, physical centre-back over City when we look at Laporte in a comparative point. So I think if it was an ability-based question, I'd, I'd go with Laporte because I think he's, I think he is... Top draw, and I think it says something that if we were to miss out on Van Dijk, he was the one that we were looking at, um, and then City go and sign him. So, mm. so I think I think he's got the potential to be uh, a City captain. To be honest, over the next two three years, he will have to stay fit, like you say. And I think he's quite un- unfortunate with his latest injury, but yet I think he's I think he's a player who who they will be putting their money on as, as someone they need to rely on over the next two, three, four, five years. I like generally in a centre-back pairing to have the idea that there's a lead centre-back. Mm-hmm. So the one that sort of dictates the way you defend and takes charge of when a ball's getting pumped up pitch and it's right in the middle, you know he's the one that's going to take it on and the other one is sort of the one that's sweeping, covering mm-hmm. up behind him, which is why I think the, the Van Dijk and Matip combo works really well for us right now. Again, if we come back to a pure ability question and we're doing a daft combined 11, yeah. then yeah, you're going to pick Laporte. Um, but I do think we benefit. <laughs> this is absolutely <laughs> wild, you know. <laughs> right when I'm on a roll every time. Oh, it's like I just uppercutted you. <laughs> I reckon the microphone is just a really big fan of John Stones. <laughs> he's, trying to get, he's trying to get me attention to go, hang on, there's a better one here. That's <laughs> the way that microphone's an embodiment of Ranyard Club. <laughs> I'm just going to hold it for the rest now. Uh, what on earth was I talking about, lad? Oh, uh, centre-backs. Um, um, Joel Matter being good. He is uh, good. Right back. We got right back. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I let go of the microphone, so it's going to make a strong case for Nico Williams <laughs> <laughs> by absolutely digging me in the temple. You were a check up. <laughs> Oh, um, um, I'm having, having Trent um, I think he's probably the best right back in the world at the minute yep, yeah absolutely the um, best right back he's, in the world. he's one of our most important players in a creative <clears throat> sense uh, he could go on and be a player in, in loads of other different positions never mind just centre mid he could play he could play much further forward I think if he really wanted to yeah. but as a right back no no one never mind any City player is competing with him at this moment in time possibly only Seamus Coleman <laughs> 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 uh, oh, the eight Seamus now. 
Oh yeah, it's Sadibi in it now. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Sadibi's a World Cup winner, lads. Well, exactly. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> I can't believe we've managed to turn <laughs> a Man City and Liverpool combined eleven into just taking a piss out of Evertonians. But I'm made up with it. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Right. Uh, we, yeah. we settled on Trent then. Yeah. There's no, there's no argument for me. No, we, yeah. were, we were classing Kyle Walker as a goalkeeper anyway. <laughs> so it's only really how Cancelo, and he's played about three matches. <laughs> uh, so we'll move into midfield, and mm. we've we've got a choice with the holder, haven't we? Really between Fabinho yeah. and Rodri. Um, I think Rodri's really good. Um, I was really impressed by him. We watched the game together, the Charity Shield in Wembley. Yeah. Um, I thought he was great. I thought he was their best player. He's really good at recycling the ball, and that sounds dead boring. But in a team like Manchester City, where you want basically all of your other lads to be really good attackers, that's dead important. It's arguably more important than um, Fabinho doing it for us, in a sense, because Fabinho's got two other functional lads either side of him that are also designed to get the ball and give it to the better ones, give it to the ones that are good in attacking areas. City haven't quite got that. It's basically Rodri's job on his own. So I think he's a really, really good player, but he hasn't got anything like the the breadth of skill that Fabinho has. Loads of people when we signed Fabinho thought that he was a destroyer, that he's there to tackle, and he's really good at that. He's got really long legs. He intercepts the ball loads. But for me, he's a really complete centre mid. He Mm. can pass the ball long. He can play through balls. He's a menace around the edge of the box as well. He scored a couple of goals for Liverpool that you wouldn't really expect him to. I think that there are very few more complete centre mids in world football than Fabinho right now. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. His development in a Liverpool shirt has been unbelievable. I agree with you on Rodri. I think that when we watched him, the one thing he struggled with was the intensity of Mm. the fixture. And it was his first game really on, on English soil. Um, so to you could see it was a huge epiphany for him. It was like God, this is quick. But he was one of those players you looked at and thought, when he gets it, like when it drops for him, in the same way it did for being over around this time last year, he's going to be something else. <clears throat> and I think it's important to distinguish the difference between what we ask for being able to do, like you say, and what they ask Rodri Very to do, different. because they have a lot more ball mm-hmm. and a lot more territory. Um, so naturally, he's going to recycle, uh, and naturally, he's going to be carrying the ball um, from deeper into into further forward, final third areas. But in saying that, he does look like someone who can get a grasp of a game of football in the way that they require under that manager. I think the problem, a wider point that they may have, is if and when Guardiola goes, they very much have um, a majority of Pep Guardiola players. So while Rodri could work in a different shape, it's it's almost as if every player they've got is a byproduct of a Pep Guardiola system and it's almost as if you'd have to remould a lot of them in many ways to be something mm. completely different or to work in a different way when they're faced with not being a Pep Guardiola team and you know that's probably a piece or an argument or a, a conversation for another day and it might be the same with Liverpool but it just feels like Liverpool, Liverpool's midfielders especially um, are a lot more fluid, a lot more able to carry out um, a wide range and variety of different jobs and different functions whereas at Man City it's very much you do this in this team and the whole collective cohesion will be something that gets us over the line um, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops over time Important to point out for any uh, Evertonians watching that Lee Carsley is a better player than both <laughs> <laughs> The Agenda on the Blood Red Channel 
<laughs> we'll do the, the the number eights as Klopp calls them yes. next as a pair um, because this this is is where it feels like there's probably more of a case for Man City just because they've got players that affect the game in the attacking third more than what Liverpool do because yes. Guardiola asks these two players to be his most creative ones it's coming again um, and Jürgen Klopp asks his fullbacks to be the most creative ones so this is where the two four three threes actually become very different tactical setups isn't it so it feels like you've got a choice between well do you go with the functionality of Liverpool do you go with the attacking of Man City do you pick one each and, and try and balance it what are you doing then so I think the reason I asked before if we're playing a 4-3-3 is that I think if if we're doing an honest um, an honest combined 11 and saying what would be the best team just imagine just imagine a team that's got Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back down the right hand side of the pitch and Kevin De Bruyne as left centre midfielder down the left hand side of the pitch I mean your delivery your your Accuracy, it'd just be an unbelievable game to watch in terms of the types of balls that they could put in from either flank. And I think the balance of that would be would be absolutely unmatched in in any team and possibly any you know any any of the last five to ten years in football. I think it'd be it'd be something that would be a huge spectacle. So I think you have to, in my opinion. You have to have De Bruyne as your left-sided number eight if you're going to have Trent in the team. That probably means it's at the the expense of one uh, Alder or Henderson uh, the other side. If you're picking them, you might you might go for someone else in, in City colours. You might go for Bernardo Silva. I'll be honest, I'm I'm quite occupied with stopping my microphone from making a real strong case for Phil Foden. This <laughs> <laughs> point, I think that's what it's trying to do. <laughs> so we just run through the players that we could pick then. Um, so I'm having De Bruyne as well, absolutely. So that means for the other side, yeah. we could have Jordan Henderson, um, Ginny Wijnaldum, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, James Milner, Adam Lallana, Naby Keita from Liverpool, or yeah. from Manchester City, they've got what? Well, they've got Phil Foden, David Silva, Bernardo Silva, Ilkay Gundogan, Ilkay Gundogan uh, and I think that's about everyone. We haven't mentioned Fernandinho, <laughs> but he's sort of between positions at this stage, and yes. I wouldn't be getting a shout anyway. Um, I think for me. I think I'd pick, although he, he sort of shifts between centre mid and the right wing, I think I'd pick Bernardo Silva. Yeah, I think um, I would too. He's a great player. He's he's one of those that can do pretty much everything he's asked. He's really versatile in terms of the place that he can be placed on the pitch by his manager, but also just the different skill sets that he's got. It feels like he can do pretty much anything. Mm. And I think in a clock midfield, in that eight role, he'd be really, really good because he's someone that can score your goals and make goals, but also he's, he's doing loads of pressing. Yeah. He's doing loads of harrying opponents. Yeah. He gets a stupid... Uh, amount of um, tackles and interceptions as well I think he's a really really talented player and although Liverpool have got an array of really really good midfielders and I'm not in any rush to swap any of them for anyone in in real life I think if you're going off an individual basis having De Bruyne and Bernardo in front of Fabinho feels like yeah, I agree, agree. And I think it's a lot of that's based on the season he had last season. Um, you know, I think if if he didn't have that season then you you know, you would make the argument for for probably Wan Alden but maybe Henderson. Um mm. because obviously David Silva now is, is getting to an age where he's he's slowing down. Um but the season Bernardo gets them over the line last season for me along with company. Um from January onwards when they go on that run of fourteen games. Yeah. Um so I think he's he deserves to be in there. Right, we've got a front three to do then, yes. and this is going to be very difficult because we've, we've given ourselves no moves. Off air, I was talking about whether we could sort of blag this a little bit and have two in midfield and pick a front four 
Uh, we've settled on a 4-3-3, so that means plenty you're going to have to miss out. We'll, we'll not mess about with any of the, the other lads. It's basically, you've got a choice between Roberto Firmino, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Sergio Aguero and Raheem Sterling. I'm having no shouts for Gabriel Jesus or no. Riyad Mahrez. Just not happening. They're not in the conversation. No. So you've got to pick three from those five. Where are you starting? Who's the one that cannot possibly miss out for you? Cheng Tolson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what, what was uh, his name? Strachwalazy? Strachwalazy. <laughs> if we've got De Bruyne and uh, Trent in the side and Robertson putting all these balls in, we need a big six foot five man to nod them in, surely. Where is your man? He asked these things. <laughs> um, is he Crystal Palace? Is he? I he might still be. still Everton, to be honest. Uh, anyway... Right, okay, so for me, I I love Raheem Sterling. And I and I think he's I think he's one of the top three players in the Premier League, if not Europe. So I am going to take Mohamed Salah out of my side. Um, this is absolute sacrilege. Well, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure I'll be called out <laughs> by those viewers who watch this. Um but I'm gonna take Mohamed Salah out of the pill side based on current form. Um, and I'm gonna put I'm gonna replace him with uh, Raheem Sterling, and I'm gonna put Sterling on the left. I'm gonna put Sadio Mane back on the right, where he uh, where he started his Liverpool career, and I'm gonna have uh, Roberto Firmino through the middle of the park. I, I think I, I'm I'm not having Mane on the right. I think it, I think it reduces so much of what he's good at. Do you, not, do you not think you're not getting the best out of him? You're basically building your front three around Sterling, really, aren't you? Well, yeah, because I think he's that good. Um, but also, I think, look, I think either flank money is as devastating. I think a lot of the reason he gets his berth on the left for us is the combinations with Robertson later on in games because the pair of them are supremely physically fit that you just see that they, they are able to exert that um, when other teams are basically knackered. And they very much become Liverpool's out. Where I think, I think Sterling tactically is phenomenal and I think tactically he's probably better than Salah I think Salah's still got a lot of development and a lot of ways in which he can prove off the ball um, as well as on it but I think tactically Sterling is is, is the better player um, That that's not to demean Mo Salah in any way you know, Mo Salah's become a, a predatory forward if you like striker central striker since he since he came to back to England with Liverpool more so that player than a, a player in Sterling's mould who will play in those wider areas um, but I think I think there's a bit of a crux with Salah now in terms of what he goes on to become whereas I think Sterling I think I think whilst operating in those wide areas he, he still remains and manages to be the fulcrum of, of Man City's attack and their, their most potent outlet in attack so I think that him on the left the way in which we would be able, we would be able to feed him and, and get him in down those those little pockets of space in this Liverpool team would be, it'd be devastating. Right, uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to have as my first one uh, Sadio Mane down the left because I think he might just well be the best player in the world mm-hmm. at the minute. Don't over disagree. The co- over the course of 2019, don't disagree. Uh, he scored, I think it's now 27 goals in all comps this year, um, and loads of them have been crucial they've either been ones that have given Liverpool the lead in the game or they've been ones that have won the game I think it's nine of them might be match winners or something like that now Um, and also for me Mane scores every single kind of goal you could conceive of Mm. he's really underrated in the air his right and left foot are pretty much equally good I was watching the video before of the left footed goal that he puts into the roof of Edison's net in the 4-3 win that's an absolutely incredible shot Um, and I just think you (coughs) play to his strengths no matter what you can do I've been quite annoyed 
this season, the couple of times we've seen him play on the right, like at Old Trafford, and it just feels like it negates so much of what he does coming in. Mm. So I'm having Mane on the left. Uh, I'm having Mo Salah on the right as well, because I think that he is a player more than any of the others, more than any of the other four that would be candidates for this, that can just make a goal happen from nothing. They're all incredibly talented and they all mm. score loads of goals. They're all brilliant footballers and, and, and to leave two of them out of this is, is, yeah. is hard. But for me, Salah is the one that can just pick a footy up in a position where he's got no right to score a goal and within two seconds it's in the net. Yeah, that's completely fair. Um, so I'm having him on that basis because it feels like if for, if for some reason this 11 was struggling in a, in a match, um, he's the one that might just pull you out of it more than anyone else. Uh, and then down the middle, I've got a real conundrum because I could have obviously Firmino because that front three works so well together and he does so much of the work that makes them to um, operate on the level that they do. Aguero scores a, a ridiculous amount of goals just every single week. Um, and I also think that, that Sterling could play that role I think he could mm. be the sort of yeah, proto yeah. Firmino type yeah. player where um, he brings other players into play. He's good at playing little through balls. He's good at running beyond the last defender, but also he can finish. Um, so I think I'll probably leave Aguero out actually because beyond the goal scorer, and I don't think he's doing an awful lot to help Mane and Salah. Um, and I don't think that in the way that Man City play, he's doing an awful lot to help Sterling or Mares or Silver or whoever else. His game is very much about himself, and that's absolutely fine because that's the way they play. Mm-hmm. And the others sort of enable him rather than the other way around. So, pure. Plum for Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> 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 uh, I was going to go for Moise Keane. <laughs> Hasn't scored any goals in the league yet, but he's going to come good one day, lad. Well, he set himself a target of seven, so he's on target. <laughs> uh, just, just purely out of Liverpool bias, I'm, I'm going to pick Firmino because I just love watching him play footy. Sterling's great as well, and and I do wish that he still played for Liverpool. It's not realistic that he would have still played for Liverpool, and we would have never got these lads either if he did. But I just love watching Roberto Firmino. He does everything. We underrate loads of things about him in terms of that, his actual athleticism. We, we we talk about a lot about his selflessness and work ethic, but in terms of of, of being a, a top level athlete yep. and a genuinely elite footballer in his own right I think we underrate him sometimes so I'm just going with our front three because they're bloody great absolutely Right, Absolutely. that's where we've got to. That's then we've, we've, yeah, we've been um, we've been fairly consistent up until we got to the front three. Um, I think we were, I think we were on course until your microphone started hitting you with uppercuts and yeah, and re- re- really making a, a, a consistent show for Thomas Gravison <laughs> feeding Brian McBride <laughs> was what my microphone was doing. Absolutely, at various stages there. Um, so yeah, the microphones are blue noses. That's all that we've got time for. Thank you very much for watching. Do make sure to subscribe to Blood Red and also check out Liverpool. We've got loads of writing on there about the Man City game because it's just the biggest in world football at this point, isn't it? So make sure to check the website. Thank you for watching. All the best. Enjoy the rest of your day. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.